Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's Bloomington Spirits, the show that picks the minds of my fellow aspiring and upcoming artists here in Bloomington all over a glass of their favorite drink. I'm your host, Josh, and I am so pleased to have Taylor Ward on the pond today as our sixth guest. While most people around the theater department here think of Taylor as the discount Conan (laughs) O'Brien, many don't realize how much of a renaissance man this guy really is. He's a gem, and I am super glad that we got to sit down and have this chat because, honestly, I feel like we got a little closer because of it. Uh, But before we start the show, if you like this show and you feel like you have something to say, by all means, please email me at joshuascarter05 at gmail.com with your favorite drink in the subject heading. I'm looking for some more guests to get here on the pod. I love having these conversations, and I do not want this show to end. So by all means, if you're interested, please hit me up. I'd love to have you on. Uh, But hey, you know the drill by now, and it's time for me to stop talking so we can get on with the show. Uh, So please, grab your favorite drink, kick back, and enjoy. Um, <laughs> are we recording right now? We are recording. Oh, we are recording at this don't moment. Don't put this part in. <laughs> no, no, do not worry. Okay. Do not worry. I will not. Uh, I will keep things edited to a nice, um, you know, presentable tea. <laughs> Speaking of tea, uh, my friend, what are we drinking today? We are drinking sweet tea from McAllister's oh, yes. um, Deli, which is one of my favorites in town. Sponsor of this episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, everybody, so you can uh, know, we have the wonderful Taylor Ward on our show today. Uh, a wonderful guest. I've been wanting to have him on ever since we started off this whole podcasting experience. And now we are finally here doing one together. Um, how you been, man? What's new? I am good. I am... Um have just been readjusting to school yeah um and getting into the shows and things that i'm doing this semester which totally is exciting what you got on your plate um right now i'm in rehearsals for um big fish which is the main stage musical they're doing this semester and oh that's been yeah fun. um and we you guys are in what your second week right yeah second week we just hit the ground running with that um and so i play amos who's this like comedic supporting mm-hmm. he's the person. he's the uh, mayor right or no he's a whatever werewolf oh but also from alabama but also a ringmaster in a circus oh ah, oh, gotcha that's and a, also that's he's nice played little... by danny devito in the movie so I that's have a, it i have a that... lot of things to like incorporate yeah. into my performance i was just about to ask who your um who who played you in the movie? Because I mean, it's been years since I've seen it, but um, that's kind of on, that's kind of on brand. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you like Always Sunny? Yeah, yeah. Dude. I haven't seen all of it, but no, yeah, same. I've only seen good snippets, and you know those those must see uh, required viewing episodes. I've seen, I've seen, but yeah. Um, what what else? What else you got on the table? Uh, so Big Fish is the show that I'm in right now, mm-hmm. um, but we're starting work on The Hunchback of Notre Dame, yeah, which I'm man. directing and. Um, very excited about that. We had our first team meeting um, just Friday. Sweet. Um, How did it go? It, it was great. It's great. fantastic. Who all's on like, your? Yeah. Um, the team is um, Justin Smooth is music director. Wonderful. Larkin Riley is choreographing. Wonderful. Um, Victoria Wiley is assistant directing. Great. Tess Blado stage managing. Bryn Jones costumes and Jennifer Hayden lights, with some more members to be added. I love it. Uh, within the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was a great meeting. Like everyone is like top. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's an all-star A-list. It's like the, yeah, it's like, yeah. What brought you to that project? Has it just been all one of your favorites? Well, I I mean, I love the show. Um, 
I just remember like freshman year I had the idea for it and I was sitting in the studio theater probably during master class mm-hmm. or something and you know my mind was wandering as is that where you never, guys are, is that where you guys are doing that class. in the in the studio theater? Um, yes, that's where it's going to be. Cool. But yes, um, I can I can uh, relate yeah. to mind watering. I mean, my mind class. never wanders during master class. But <laughs> it's always it, drilled. It's, it's super focused. I'm always enthralled by what's happening. But this one time that my mind wandered during master class, yes, I I think I had like the opening number in my head for mm-hmm. it, and I just kind of. Like my mind kind of functions like a movie screen. And so I was just sort of like playing it out in my head, like started imagining it in that room. And then that idea just kind of stayed with me. And for a long time I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. Like it's like a huge show. Mm. Um, And it's the the music is very different from the kind of stuff that we typically do. Right. Um, And it's, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to pull this off. But then, the idea stuck with me and the more I would go into the studio theater, it kind of kept coming back to me and I'd look around and be like, I think we could maybe make Make this work. work. And so I just started meeting with people kind of quietly about it and was like, do you think this could be possible? And Mm -hmm. I kept thinking I was going to get a no somewhere like pretty quickly. Like I kept thinking someone was going to be able to do that. Like you can't fit that many people in or you can't whatever. And like that never happened. Everyone was always like, Oh yeah, that could, you could do that. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that was easy. Yeah. So, um, just once kept kind of meeting with one person after another and here we are. What do you think is going to be one of the biggest challenges that's going to be facing you in that? I mean, like you said, it's a huge show. I mean, you didn't go to Broadway solely for the reason of like the expensive ass choir that's in it. So, (laughs) yeah, it's, I think the size and scope of it is probably the big part. I mean, the, Mm -hmm. the cast is typically like 50 something people, but that's with the like, the huge chorus that's on stage and mm-hmm. the dancers and the leads, but we're condensing it into the the choir part and the ensemble are typically separate and we're making them one thing. Gotcha. So that we're Great. sizing it down, but it's still very big for a student show. I mean, oh, absolutely. It's like a cast of 20, 21 absolutely. people. And it's going up uh, this semester, right? Um, it's going to be January. January. It's the next okay. semester, but we're, gotcha. starting we're starting in November. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, man. That's a, that's a big, that's a big undertaking, but I, I feel like if there's anybody that can, you know, go for it, I definitely think that you guys and that team that you've been uh, assembling. Yeah, I was in that meeting. Literal like, Avenger status. I'm, it is. I was like, I'm sitting with the top tier right now, and it was, yeah, it was exciting. I'm like yeah. excited to do like such a good show with those people. Now, have you directed theater before? I know you've like, done some short films and everything, but is this your first? I have. Yeah, this is my first one of this size, and what's kind of exciting and a little scary is that it's my first one um like that's kind of like my project like Mm -hmm. i've I've done it like in high school where sort of the high school teachers are kind of like still there fostering i'm kind of the like student director but this is my first like i'm spearheading it which is kind of exciting an exciting place to be um with some guidance from ken the sponsor and the faculty but um yeah absolutely so last thing i'll ask about this because i know that you don't want to tease too much you know you want to keep people wanting to come but is there something that you think you really want to say with with this show i mean it's a very um uh i mean it's one of those classic stories you know of you know not judging a book by its cover but i feel (laughs) like there's a lot more to to the story that can be told from that you know 
Yeah, I think there is something about our generation specifically that loves Hunchback. Mm, I like, agree. I found with people my age love it more than like adults. Yeah. Like, my parents were kind of like, yeah, it's good. But I like didn't watch it until I was in high school and I found it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so good. Yeah. Like the movie, I mean. Um, the, the you're talking the the cartoon right the, the yeah, yeah. The Disney version yeah it's my it's my favorite Disney cartoon it's well, one, one of, of the, it's either too. that or Robin Hood yeah um, it's so or good. Treasure Planet um all all great all movies. great ones um which we'll, t- we'll we'll swing around to Treasure Planet later in the conversation yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there we'll get there um but I think something about Quasimodo in that story the w- there's a feeling that he has that is similar to a way that we feel a lot of times, not all the time, but sometimes where he kind of feels like, like a FOMO a little bit. Like he's kind of in this zone where he feels like he kind of has, he's being told everything like how he should live. Like he just doesn't know everything. Right. Right. Or like he doesn't know what it's like out there. Like he shouldn't kind of being spoon fed. Right. He's being spoon fed and, and kind of caged in. And I think that's a experience that people our age go through a lot. Mm. And then we kind of, do, so I think we, we identify with him, that character a lot. Totally. And so that's something that I want to emphasize in this show is that kind of, um, Awakening that he goes through. I love that. In that story, that is something that we all share collectively. I love that. I think that there's a lot, a lot. I mean, I, I personally can relate to that totally. Uh, growing up in a family where it's very much of, I mean, every I'm the only one who's not a uh, medical person in my family. Oh, really? So like, yeah, going kind of against the grain in that way, trying to find my path, and right. after being told of like, okay, this kind of like what your outline should look like, right. Yeah, it's a very relatable thing. Well, and I think in in taking on a show that is so big and very challenging as far as the style of the music and mm-hmm. like singing in Latin half the time and all this stuff, right? I think it's sort of in a almost like meta kind of way. Like we are us us youngins, us like people yeah. our age are taking on <laughs> this project that is so grandiose so huge that it's kind of in a way like how quasimodo kind of sort of lives in this smaller world and then kind of right goes into the, does it does that make sense yeah no you know I, I, yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying that, that kind of hopping right into that topsy-turvy day right uh whole entire mood yeah kind of yeah. diving into the yeah the big the big stuff i love that so you mentioned earlier that you kind of vision everything in a movie screen, the way you view the world. And I feel sure like I'm, do. I don't want to project onto you, but I feel <laughs> like you and I have very similar stories of like mm-hmm. where we both love musical theater. I think, um, I mean, we're obviously majoring in it and studying it here, but I don't think it was our first love or the reason that we got into it. I mean, for me, it was treasure planet seeing that really? in theaters for the first time and being like, okay, wow, I just want to be involved in the entertainment industry and somehow and my closest outlet was theater. Was that kind of like your experience too? Yeah, my first, before I like perf- performed for the first time in like a Christmas pageant <laughs> and got my first laugh and was like, oh, right. doing that. Yep. Um, I was, I wanted to like make movies. Like that was the first thing that I ever wanted to do. Totally. Um, do you have a movie that was like that one where you think it kind of gave that spark? That's a good question. Or a director, I guess you could say. That's a good question. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I think the movies that there's a there's a lot of them, I'm sure, but um this is like so basic, but like Star hey. Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like yeah, those are movies totally. that I kind of grew up I mean, those Watching. are yeah, those are the ones. I mean, they they created a generation of filmmakers for a reason, right? You know, and they're so good. Yeah, they like, they I really. Are. I mean, you, I we were doing uh, the Star Wars Shakespeare thing over at Connor Starks's place last week. Yeah, and in the other room while we were rehearsing, uh, um, sorry, uh, go Last oh. Crusade. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I'm sure everybody was just like, He's the last crusade. He's you never fucker. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were just watching in the background. I'm like, man, even just popping in for five minutes at a time to see like what's going on. I love this thing. Right. Yeah. 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 I just, that those movies are kind of like the, probably what really tipped the scale as far as wanting to, mm-hmm. I was like, I saw those and I was like, I want to play too. Like I want to be part of that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And you got to go out uh, to L.A. a I summer did. ago, yes. and you got to experience a first little, you know, touch in that playpen. Yeah. What was that like? It was fantastic. Um, yeah, I lived out in L.A. for seven weeks and did a directing intensive at the University of Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very exciting. Um, and it was kind of just like, it was like just the speed of it and the... like full immersion of it was like Mm. getting like film school just like injected into your veins like it was so Mm -hmm. so much so fast but it was like a great crash course in how that works right um and it was cool to see like what what i kind of haven't had a knack for and what i wasn't as good at and what Mm. i knew about and then other parts of it that were so foreign to me what do you think were like the foreign things that you well it was interesting because at the end of the so for this whole this whole intensive we spent the whole time making one short film Mm -hmm. and like we wrote it directed it produced it shot it everything cast it whatever all that jazz all this all the stuff Mm -hmm. and um at the end on the last day we did a screening where we watched everyone's like back to back Mm -hmm. and it was interesting to see whose was like what everyone's kind of strengths and not as much strengths were right so like stuff i'm bad at is a lot of the technical side of it like i I just don't like there's all these cameras that Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't know like the what and they they're all these combinations of letters and numbers they're like do you have the dxl 57b whatever and And i'm I'm like like, does it shoot right i'm like (laughs) what i'm like what can i point it at something and take a picture yep i was like i have my iphone yeah um all that all that stuff so like and and in the editing software like all that stuff was completely just beyond my Mm -hmm. realm of yeah i i'm in the same boat i tried my hand at directing a short uh last year and it was it was fun but you know the exact same thing of there's such a whole another side of the world that we just haven't gotten to dip our toes in yet that i'd love to get the chance to just like sit down and really learn about but you know it's hard with being also swamped with all the other aspects (laughs) of things that we have to take care of i mean yeah i learned so much doing that even just in like leading the shoot and like managing all the you know the actors and the crew Mm -hmm. and the all that like it was just so yeah much but yeah so like some students in the screening like their films like some people there were technically beautiful i was like you could put this you could show this like in a yeah. movie theater right now. Right. Um, and mine was not as technically, it was technically certainly not nearly as mm-hmm. good, but it was 
Mine probably had a more fully fleshed out story. Right. For the listeners, what was your story about? Oh. The short. <laughs> it was the movie was called Update. Ooh. And it was. Um, did you see it? Did I send it you? Did, to you? you did. You yeah. did. It was good. I did enjoy it. It was. Um, it was kind of like a Black Mirror episode or something. It was like these, this young couple. Um, gets this update on their iPhone that allows them to time travel. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty so cool. Weird explaining it now. <laughs> um, and um, the um, uh, girl f- or the wife in this young couple finds out that he was unfaithful in the past and basically tells him he has to go back and change it with the time travel. And it's kind of about him trying like trying every single way that he can possibly get away with it before eventually actually changing what he did mm-hmm. um yeah what drew you to that story was it just one of the first things that kind of came to your head or yeah i don't remember where i came up with the idea because it originated from a different story with that time travel app idea and mm. instead of it being about that it was going to be about um like the when they first met and it was supposed mm-hmm. to be like this guy's like awkward but he's got this time travel app and so he bumps into this girl and he's like or but he knows from the time travel app that he's going to marry her eventually right and so their first meeting is like bad and she's like thinks he's annoying and whatever and so ah. it's repetitive him going back trying to fix it every time and so he'll like get a little bit further in the interaction and then s- says something else dumb and then she like mm-hmm. bl- like leaves and so it's it was like that same scene repeated but gets further every time um and it was cute but the script coach that we had said um it was a little derivative like it was just kind of like okay that's nice and mm-hmm. she said what well, could be more interesting and this lady was she's a little whack but she, <laughs> she had a couple of good, good nuggets. nuggets and this was kind of yeah. the one thing that i really that really kind of changed the perspective for me was she said, what if it's instead like their first fight or what if it's like mm-hmm. something where that time travel app, instead of just being kind of a like cute gimmick becomes like the the game changer as far as how their right. marriage, the relationship like, their marriage is on the line with right. this thing. So that, that really, um, so then I went and did a rewrite of it and then changed it to that story. And then it was, just some minor tweaking from there. I love that. I mean, I feel like with our view of time travel, we constantly get these huge grandiose, you know, Avengers level um, missions that they have to go on. And I think there's something really cool to be said about a, you know, a story exploring what that could be on a very personal level. Yeah. And what, one of the, one of the big things that I learned while I was at USC was sometimes you, go with your gut and ignore the feedback that people give you. And I'm glad that I ignored this feedback that I got from actually several people that were mm. there. And they all told me that in like in the movie, they, they kind of talk a little bit about how the phone works, the like time travel device uh-huh. works just so that the story makes sense. Right. And they kept telling me that you need to explain how it works more. Like they were like, you need to, have them unbox it and read the directions and like make it clear how all the rules work the rules and all this and stuff. Yeah. And every, I would try doing that and it was just the clunkiest, most awful thing ever. Mm. And I eventually was like, no, I kind of don't want it to be about the sciencey sci-fi part of it. I was like, I want it to be about the, their story right. and the, just the fact that the phone time travels, that's kind of all you need to know. Right. I and mean, that's, that's what I mean. I'm trying to think of what this, uh, 
I just saw a movie recently where it's kind of um, just uh, oh, it, it was a trailer for this new um, Adam uh, whatever his face is who was in Pitch Perfect and everything, the one annoying singer guy. Um, I don't, yeah, know, I don't remember. His, I feel like people know who I'm talking about, but it's like a different premise. But it's a comedy of where he like falls in love with his phone. It's essentially her, but like a raunch comedy oh, really? version yeah, of it. Um, and in the trailer, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but essentially, it's kind of just like this is happening. His phone is now sentient, and go with it. Right. And um, I kind of like that aspect of you know just kind of submitting to the world that you're in. Right. Because it allows you to you know break down the walls or quicker and right. get to like, what you're I mean, actually trying you to say star wars you're not like how did they get to these planets where did they right. how did they build the spaceship like that's not nobody right. cares like, that's that was my what was <laughs> my big problem with, with people complaining about game of thrones this last season was like yes uh i wish i could have seen like okay yes i do i do wish that we could have gotten you know one or two more episodes but this is more season seven where they're mad about not getting to see the travel time between things. I'm like, do you really want to see like three months of travel with John and Tyrion? Yeah, nobody just, wants like, to see Cersei's like bathroom break on the road. Yeah, like, exactly. Cares. Exactly. Like, not... Let's get to the action that we're trying <laughs> right. to. Yeah. Like when they stop at the gas station. Like it's not. <laughs> yeah. So do you think, so you, you liked LA a lot, I'm guessing. I did. Yeah. Do you think that you might end up there after? I mean, I know you got, still got a lot of time to make that decision, <laughs> but. The sigh I just emitted that question. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I actually think it'll probably be New York first. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of unsure about that. Right. But, like, film is not the only thing that I would like to do. I mean, I still do love performing in musical theater and comedy. Right, right of course. And so I think I'm going to probably go to New York and try and do both kind of theater and comedy. Right. And then eventually maybe work my way west. Could you see yourself going to try to like UCB or groups yeah. like that? And th- yeah. I, I mean, would, I could see you fitting in that. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I, I mean, I would probably do. Yeah. I mean, last summer I did film, but this mm-hmm. summer I interned at comedy sports in Indianapolis, like comedy theater. So How was that? Would you, what? you learn from that? Um, <laughs> it was, it was good. It was, um, I called it husband training because it was a lot of. <laughs> Um, like chores, like it was like honeydews, pretty much. Gotcha. Like they would just be like, "Can you replace our kitchen tiles and stuff?" And so, relate. It was like my internship this summer was also very similar. Right? <laughs> what did you? What? I was over at my church. Um, oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, A lot of uh, putting furniture. Right. Together. Exactly. Yep. And it's like, yeah. But what I I didn't. I mean, I I got to take their comedy classes for free, and I like ran box office and mm. stuff for the shows. So it wasn't like I wasn't at all involved in the comedy side of it. But right. it was largely like the days were mostly just like work. Right. And so the stuff I took away from that was less comedy related, but just about like like never thinking something is beneath you. Absolutely. And and just showing up and doing the work and not making a big deal about it at all. Yeah. Like you know, like I used to. I used to be kind of a complainer and like I'd show up and I'd be like, Oh, this, no, I won't do this. Meh. And then I got to the point where I was like, no, I'm going to just do it. Like I'm going to just, just mm-hmm. do it like just, Nike. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of learned Thanks, over the summer that even doing that, even making a big deal about how excited you are to do this thing mm-hmm. is still not like good. Like it's still, 
it still makes it a thing that it doesn't need to be. Like you just show up and right. do it and then you're done. Like that's all it needs to be. Right. When you're, you know, doing chores like that. And so it's kind of gotten me in a mindset of just doing the work and not totally not even acknowledging <laughs> that you have to do it yes. as being a good or bad thing. So you you've been in a few comedy troops here at school, right? Um what was that experience like for you? What you what did you learn from that? It was good. The comedy group that I was in really just went I mean the the train just like leapt off the rails mm-hmm. and into the ocean, but That's it was um it was good. It, it was it, the thing one of the other things I learned this summer um, was about the importance of, especially with comedy, is getting your reps in. And so the idea of, like, funny as a muscle, where you Ooh, you just, you like, you need to work it out regularly. And just, you know, going up and doing an improv scene is like going to the gym, you know, mm. and you're just, like, putting in the... Putting in the time. Cause right, yeah, putting it, in the reps. And those thousand hours, like Malcolm Gladwell right. says. So when I... So I had, I had done improv for, like seven years or something um maybe a little bit longer than that when i came to this internship but i hadn't done oh yes top me off please you got it good sir sweetie thank you mcallisters for your sponsoring um yeah yes thank you (laughs) mcallisters deli they just sent me a huge check um what was i saying point oh yeah so i hadn't done improv for a long time for like a semester which you know, like, it, and so the way I... Oh, that'll totally get you out of, right. out of sync. So it was like, like, if you had gone to the gym every day for like seven years and you got super jacked and swole mm-hmm. and then suddenly you stopped working out for a whole semester, yeah. like you can't just go right back to the routine you're at when you had been working out for seven years. Exactly. Like you have to sort of retrain mm-hmm. the muscle. And so that was kind of... Sobering and humbling in a way was to go and and kind of start back at the like the five pound weights. Yeah, improv, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. What I mean? yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was another good experience. Do you have any favorite improvers that you kind of like? Because for me, I always jump immediately like Jason Manzukis because um, I am a big fan of like the How Did This Get Made podcast and uh, oh, yeah. Um, like people like that kind of come to mind for free for me first. I mean, obviously it's hard since we can't be in a city and go to like second city shows right, or right. UCB and or groundlings or whatever, but favorite improvisers. It's a tough question. I know. Well, I first got introduced to improv through whose line is it anyway? I knew we, you were going to say as that. Every single person in America. So, yes. It's so first good, did, but it's great. So they're, they're all hilarious. Um, I love like Tina Fey got started in improv. Stephen Colbert got started in improv. Mm-hmm. Amy Poehler. Yeah. Um, Martin Short, like all these people got started doing Second City. Like literally all of them came from Second City. Like that mm-hmm. was where all of them came from. Um, Thank you, Second City, for modern kn- day comedy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so probably a lot of those people. Um, those are the people that I kind of look up to most. Mm-hmm. Um, even like Key and Peel were like right. improvisers. That's yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Have you seen um, Don't Think Twice? Keegan Michael Key is in it. He, I have uh, not. Uh, no. Mike Barbiglia is also in it. They they play as they're essentially at like a Second City type place. Uh, it essentially is Second City. They just don't say it. Oh really? Um, <laughs> and it's one of them gets their big break for the SNL of this universe, mm. and it's kind of about the uh, 
how that changes the dynamic of the group before this guy leaves. Right. And it's right. a very, very interesting look. It's on Netflix. I definitely recommend you to check it out. Okay, I will. Yeah. yeah. I will. So what do you think is like the kind of comedy that people need at this moment? I know that's a big question. Ooh, that's but a, we're it, getting political. I know, right? Um You know what? And it doesn't even have to be political. I mean just even zeitgeist no, yeah, wise of um, no, I know. <laughs> I think um you know, that kind of question to me, like I was thinking about this the other day, how, you know, there's like one trillion talk shows on now. Yeah. And every one of them, like I'm in a different mood for different ones at different times. Mm-hmm. So I think like the phrase, this is kind of related to this, the phrase like me and this person have the same sense of humor to me kind of is like not true because I feel Mm -hmm. like our senses of humor change with how we're feeling and where we're at and what Mm. we're doing. Yeah. Um, so like some days I want to, you know, watch something kind of escapist and just fun and silly. And so I'll go to the tonight show and watch Jimmy Fallon, like play, put eggs on people's heads, put eggs on people's heads. (laughs) And then sometimes, sometimes I want to like a more sharp witty, Mm -hmm. you know, timely stuff and I'll go to Colbert and watch mm-hmm. that stuff. Or sometimes I want to watch British people drink alcohol on Graham Norton. Dude, like oh, just, dude, Graham Norton was just on Colbert I last week. Very um, good. Yeah. I was just watching that. That's what got me thinking about that. Sometimes I want to watch Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. and the same hairstyle that we have. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but um, Conan Jr. Over here. Right. <laughs> That's, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you everyone. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. So to answer your question, I feel like, I don't know that there is a sp- one specific type that we all need because I think we all need different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it's always in flux and it's always cycling through as far as what is kind of the thing mm-hmm. right now. Totally. Do you have a, uh, a favorite comedy that you've just recently got on to it doesn't tv shit's sh- creek shit's creek shit's is creek. so sorry funny. i just yelled that into the microphone um <laughs> but shit's creek is great i was just watching that yesterday it's so those clever. are some other improvisers speaking of like Catherine o'hara and eugene mm-hmm. Levy, who are brilliant they're um, so great for some reason canada has this untapped well of like improv genius like oh, i want to yeah. go like what's in the water over there that makes them all so funny absolutely um, there's a lot of people that come from canada that you wouldn't know are from canada right i know yeah, yeah. but they're all like hilarious so funny um so schitt's creek has been the comedy that i've been into i always have like two shows that i'm watching at once mm-hmm. and it's always like a comedy series and like a drama or like, or it's like a half hour and an hour long. Mm. Like there's always two shows. Interesting. So what's your other show then? The one that I'm watching and it's, it's literally whack, but it's so good is the dark crystal. Oh dude. Series. So nuts. Dude. I love it. So good. I watched the original movie like before this came out because I saw the trailer for this Uh and I was like, this looks incredible. And so I watched the movie and the movie's like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I've never seen the movie I, yeah. I've only I, There's this other podcast to listen to Called Geek History Lesson mm-hmm. uh, Where they kind of just break down Different you know things of pop culture each week And they did one for the Dark Crystal And they were talking about the movie And I was like okay I feel like I have enough of a summary Of like knowing right. what to think about And so then I just started the series And I'm blown away Right the movie is The movie is like a visual achievement But story wise it's not great Yeah But the, this one is 
not only like more of a visual achievement because of just modern technology and what right. they're able to do with those puppets, but like right. like the storytelling is excellent and the script writing is really tight. And the cast the, is the cast incredible. is just whack. So it's um yeah, so that's like What so episode good. are you on? Um I have to I have the last one left. Mm. Yeah. Have you watched all of it? No, I'm only on episode one. Oh, I just shoot. finished it the other day. Yeah, night. keep watching. It's literally so good. Dude, I can't wait. I didn't realize they're all about an hour long. Yeah, they are. They which are kind of long. Which is nuts. But, um, but I want to sit down and watch the last one when I can watch it all at once. But right. yeah, so like I've been <laughs> going from Dark Crystal Age of Resistance to Shit's Creek. Yep, like, that's I'll a, just alternate. That's a big jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, I... I'm always shocked by ways that we see different art forms kind of resurge and in different times. I feel like puppetry is one of those ones where it's a very lost art and not many people really appreciate the, all the blood, sweat and tears that go into right, it. Right. I mean, I, I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff on this and the amount of detail. I mean, just the eyes alone on these I puppets. Know. It's incredible the are stuff they do. Mind blowing. I mean, I've always been fascinated with that. I mean, the stuff that they do with Jim Henson's workshop with Dark Crystal and even Muppets and stuff. Right. But then, like, like they do that same practical stuff on Star Wars. They do it mm-hmm. on, yeah. you know, whatever you're, whatever movie you're watching. Um, and it's just fascinating to me the stuff that they're able to pull off. I feel like it, this shows a really good testament of what you can do with the combination of practical effects and CGI. Yes, and one thing that they do in this show, which is this is like a the minorest of spoilers for episode like seven or eight is they do a puppet show within a puppet show. (laughs) So the puppets do a puppet show. That's it's like crazy, but it's so awesome. That's so meta. I love that. Well, now I need to get back in. So dark crystal. Let's wrap this up so we can. (laughs) (laughs) We're done. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's great. Um, So what other shows like, are you kind of drawn to? Um, Cause I know that we, we have our, our shared love over quite a few. Um, Game of Thrones being one that we've t- we chatted about earlier West Wing, in this, yes. the West Wing, yes. It's such a diverse range of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing I just finished was Chernobyl, the five-part mm. HBO series, which is excellent. Heartbreaking. Um, um, uh, yeah, it was really good, but it, it like it wasn't necessarily fun to watch. No, not like, at all. Well done. Like mm-hmm. it was, and and it's important. It's like important viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was that was really good. Um, and the screenwriter of that show, um, his name is Craig Mason, is this guy who does a podcast that I listen to about screenwriting, who's great. And so he's got mm-hmm. kind of all this, I don't know. So when it comes to your writing process, because yes. um, I know that you love to write. I do. And what's, what's your kind of flow? Are you much more of a dialogue-driven writer, um, outline writer? Because I'm, I'm very much about that structure. I need things oh, to amen. be... Amen. I need things to be outlined completely before I can even touch my dialogue. Right. I start. Um, I I I too am very structure oriented, but as far mm-hmm. as the structure goes, I don't start with like on page one this thing needs to happen, and then we need the inciting incident on this page. Right. I start it from the theme mm-hmm. of the story, which is the kind of central dramatic argument or thesis right. of the story. Do you have a specific thing that you're working on that you could, you know, walk through as you like walk a, you through? I do. Great. So I'm so ready to hear it. Um um 
trying to figure out the best way to go about this. Of course. While he's thinking, um, you know, Taylor is just the uh, coolest dude. Uh, He's sitting here with his Laguna Beach uh, shirt. Laguna. Um, Laguna. Oops. Uh, So I was just there this summer, got this shirt. And now it's like cool enough that I can squeeze by wearing my long sleeve (laughs) thick beach T-shirt. Okay. So. Well, I'll explain a little bit more about like my process and I'll, I'll apply it to this thing I'm working on. Great. So the, so I typically, typically I'll get an idea, like I'll get an image in my head of something or like a scene and I have no idea what it's for mm-hmm. a lot of times on my, again, my little internal movie screen. Something <laughs> will just kind of appear and I'm like, that's cool. And I'll like write it down and then it'll sort of, um, sit in the crock pot for a long time before it comes out. But, um, so I typically, once I've got that initial germ of an idea, I find the the theme of the story, which is kind of the, the, the argument that the story makes. And from there, and I try to find one that's not cliche, that is, you know, about people and is about... Right, you know, practical. And practical. And, yeah. um, and then from there, to me, the protagonist, the in, in most good traditional stories, stories um, and in screenplays the protagonist starts in living in ignorance of the theme or in opposition to the theme Mm -hmm. and by the end is living in accordance with the theme and that's that's story 101 Mm -hmm. like right there and so I try to figure out okay what is this the theme the argument I'm making with this story and then where is the protagonist um, at the beginning of the story and like what is the opposite of that theme and that's where the protagonist starts and then i have to engineer the story so that by the end they've gotten to a place where they can you know commune with whatever theme right yeah um and then i'll then i'll start creating an antagonist for that um and stuff like that so the thing that again yelling right into the microphone um the thing that i am working on right now is a 10 part TV show. This is exciting. I, I love don't this. know that I've ever told a person about this well, show. Well, you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Get um, ready. Um, but it's a, so it's a ten-part series. It would be something that you'd see probably on like HBO or Netflix. And the story is the the very basic premise is it follows eight high school students mm-hmm. in a suburban American town called high school musical the musical called high school music well I'll get well, I'll get back to that because you touched on something but um, <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, um, I can't wait. but it fought when the United States it follows how they react and adapt to the United States suddenly and randomly becoming an anarchy so uh-huh. now it's not like like suddenly everyone's running. It's not like the purge where they're running around, like killing everybody, shooting you know, each other and in the looting streets. everything. Like the government just suddenly is dissolved. And the, these characters don't exactly know quite how or why. Interesting. And so at first they, so, so the story is about this, um, what I call the cycle of structure, which is how any kind of structure whether that's a political one or a social one or the structure of our lifestyle mm-hmm. or education or a generational mm-hmm. structure, okay. anything religious structure, how structures always kind of dissolve and then are rebuilt in kind of new ways. 
Hmm. And so the story um, follows that. Hang on. I was like on the, I was on the rails and then it's I was all on. good. Um, it, it's, um, it's about that kind of constant changing of structure. And so the characters when these eight high schoolers, mm-hmm. when the, um, United States kind of begins to dissolve, dissolve, they, fall apart. it's kind of about how they struggle to adapt. And so when that happens at first, they try very hard to maintain normalcy. And right. so they're, so I wanted to kind of subvert most of that kind of genre where typically the thing happens and then everyone goes crazy. And it's like, oh, I just spilled. Oh, it's um, all right. Sorry. <laughs> oh wait, no, it didn't get on the couch. Oh, we're fine. It's all over me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Um, but, um, everyone goes crazy and they're like just running around like looting right. stores and right. Things. But like this, like it, it doesn't like it just, they all kind of try to maintain normal and then, but then slowly, and there's an antagonist in it who intentionally tries to drive people towards, um, going overboard, break, going overboard. But, um, throughout the story like it starts with simple things like someone just decides to run a red light or they like start to like drive on the wrong side of the road or they do these little tiny things that like they can get away with now or a student will just not go to class because they don't have to because the government can't right so then things start to slowly dissolve in the government and in the education system and the economy is destroyed business stops right and then through that things like you know, the cell phone companies stop working. And so then the cell phone service stops and then, so things slowly start to like, so then by the end of the series, mm-hmm. they're back in this sort of hollow primitive shell of the United States. Interesting. So how, how over the course of time, how long does this, so progress? it's about like a few, like, like six months, maybe. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, but, I feel like that, that sounds like it could be a pretty, when it comes down to things of like, say that did happen with our government, I feel like there's enough placed in that structure. Like you're saying that things could run at a decently okay space for just a little bit of time. Right. Yeah. So, so the characters, so that it's eight high school students and each one of them represents a different kind of structure that would be familiar to American people like right now Mm. in this. Interesting. So one of them kind of, exemplifies like religious structure and one Mm -hmm. of them exemplifies um like like social structure and one is generational structure Mm. and so one of the structures that we see dissolve and reform in this show is a structure of what i call generations which is when one generation kind of stops running things this is like hunchback by yeah. the way, stops kind of running things and the next one comes up, which is why the it's all high school students. So to go back to what you're saying about high school musical. Yes. Gonna oh, yes. It, I'm going to tie it all in now. Please. Um, the show intentionally subverts all kinds of high school tropes um, in an effort to poke fun at how older generations see our generation mm. through like high school fiction. I love it. So it starts, it opens in this football game where we see like every single high school TV show you've ever seen, like just poured into this thing. So it's like Friday night lights, Riverdale, Friday night lights, Glee, (laughs) high school musical, you know, freaks and geeks, all this stuff poured into this one scene. And then immediately we start to see much more nuance and difference. And the characters are not at all what we think they're like. Interesting to make them more like actual 
people. I'm very excited to get a get a get a look see at this because <laughs> this sounds. I'm very so intrigued. The series is so that's where that all comes in, mm-hmm. but that all ties into the theme of structure and how structure is subvert is is destroyed and rebuilt. Interesting. Um, and so the theme of it is kind of structure rises and structure falls. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what I've been writing down on right. my notes for it. Um, so the series is called Babel. Ooh, that's a great it title. Is so named for the city uh, or the Tower of Babel in the Bible, right. which is a big structure, right? And a social structure, and then God changes all their languages so that they don't speak the same language, so that they can't. Unquote. So that for for the listeners who who are are unfamiliar, essentially these group of people back in biblical times are trying to create a tower which could reach the heavens, yep. um, and become essentially like their own, uh, you know, masters of the universe. Right. You know, we can build whatever we want, yeah. and God essentially gives all these different languages right. so they can't communicate to build so, yeah so then so that ties in so that's a structure that is right that collapses but so that is sort of implying in a way not to get all like doom and gloom but that america is a little bit like that it's this great big superstructure that mm-hmm. will eventually collapse and so right. the care in the tower of babel story they literally stop speaking the same language right in this story they kind of quote unquote quote unquote not unquote um <laughs> quote unquote stop speaking the same language because right. they stop their structures dissolve and so they the characters start to they stop understanding it's extremely interesting and it also comes from in a place where high schoolers are trying to find their footing for life i mean that, yeah. that they still don't really know mm-hmm. what i mean <laughs> we're in college and i feel like we are still figuring that out um, whereas I feel like that's a very interesting place to tell that story from as a, if from a different perspective, whereas it's from like, you know, adults or somebody who's been around the block a few times. Right. Um, they, they're going to have a much different, um, understanding of it. You know, yes, their world is kind of being shifted, right, but they've right. been able to experience the world in one way. Exactly. And whereas, you know, high schoolers were still right. Yeah, so the the main the protect it's I mean it's eight main characters and each of them kind of has a thing that they learn, but the main characters' main struggle is learning to um, adapt and how to truly adapt to changing circumstances. Right. And so the series, even though the premise is a little bit like America's going down the tubes, blah blah blah, blah what the story kind of says, especially through his main arc, is that the the way to truly adapt to changing circumstances this rise and fall of structure mm-hmm. is to forgive mm. and to forgive yourself and forgive each other and show grace so it is kind of it has a hopeful message i love that to it and so this that's something can, everybody needs to hear the, yeah and i think it's kind of important for just the the state of our nation the Absolutely. state of the union um and so he starts in a place of he's he kind of subverts that the like quarterback jock trope that we see in every high school thing ever. Right. The like Finn Hudson and Glee kind of character. Yes. And he struggles to forgive himself for things that he does that are very everyday. Mm -hmm. And slowly throughout the story learns to forgive others, but then that he still struggles to adapt to the changing landscape. And then eventually Learns to forgive himself for things that he's done. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of like 
that's a whole other area of it. But Man. anyway, so that's that's so fun. I've never gotten to yeah, talk about I appreciate that to anybody. I appreciate ever. you being willing to <laughs> to dissect a little I bit just about gave your you, process. Like, my entire pitch about Babel. Hey, so. well, if I was a producer, I'd be like, all right, here's all your money. <laughs> Go you. for it. Go forward. Um, and uh, so yeah, I mean, I work on that like every day. I mean, I write mm. every day. Although that's like very that's a very writing every day is a very generous way of putting it. Like sometimes yeah. I'll add two sentences to the outline and go to right. bed, but it's like, so I just kind of got to the point now where I'm starting to outline the, for the pilot, the first mm-hmm. episode. Nice. I mean, that's, that's the tough thing is, you know, getting to the point where you are writing every day and you're having that habitual sense of even just, it doesn't even have to be, I mean, like I do morning pages and just to try to get something out every day doesn't necessarily right. have to be a part of my projects, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard, especially it's when we have our schedules that are like, we'll be at rehearsal till like right, 1145 exactly. or whatever. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, and I typically will have a few projects running at once. Mm-hmm. Babel's kind of the main thing that I work on, but I, I always have a few things going so that if I'm like stuck somewhere in Babel, but like I get home at 1am and I just want to go to bed and I like, um, need to crank something out i'll just like uh-huh. quickly do like something out in some right. other story and now when did when did you really start diving into the writing world is that something that's always been there for you or do you I think did, that there I was side like so loudly into the mic <laughs> i feel like everyone just pulled their earbuds out um um it started a lot like probably back in like early middle school mm. um so i've been doing it for a long time. I didn't start writing every day until this year. That was a resolution that I've actually stuck with. Good. Um, cause I was like, I just need to be like, cause, cause sometimes what would happen is I'd be in a show and I would, you know, I, I mean, I've had Babel like in the works since like sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I've, all that stuff I just spewed to you about it has been like slowly ruminating for right. that long for years and years. Um, and it's changed a bajillion times, but, I would be in a show and I wouldn't work on any writing for like months. Like I would just be so tired and busy. And I Absolutely. just couldn't think about it. So to me, it was important relatable. this year to <laughs> relatable. <laughs> it was important this year to, um, to like make sure that I'm, I have that, that window open on my mind's desk on my, my internal screen. Right. If that makes sense. Like have, keep that tab open Absolutely. all the time. Even if I'm just like, adding two sentences to the, you know, the outline of it. Right. So, but yeah. Do you have any writers that you really aspire to? I mean, for Wolf. me, for me, Sorkin is like, yeah, I is, mean, he's, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I know, I don't care how like people will ever be like, Oh, it's so cliche. But like I drove out to New York 12 hours just to see to kill a mockingbird this summer. So like, Oh, how was it? Was it, oh, it was great. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, it's to kill Mockingbird, so we know the story and everything. But he, he, the way he weaves it with, you know, his classic Sorkin out of time sequence, right. Right. Uh, and all of like he, there's a scene that he added with Calpurnia and Jeff Daniels, um, Atticus. I don't know why I said uh, yeah. <laughs> Calpurnia um, and, and Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Daniels in, in to kill a Mockingbird. Um, but yeah, so they had he added a scene where where they talk and they have this conversation about. Um, essentially living in a racist world and like the perspectives of it, how you can combat it in a daily lifestyle um, right. when you're not, you know, 
doing your marches and your you know those big events and those staples of civil rights and everything what do you do when you're when you're walking across the street and you just hear somebody throw out a slur out of the corner of their mouth or something like that and it's and it's very interesting um just how he can you know layer a lot of stuff in and balance so many characters i mean we talk about the west wing Mm -hmm. i'm doing a west wing episode in my attic this like 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 he he is my he's my guru you know but who is it for you would you say oh that's a good question um similar to the comedy question like there's just a so many bunch of them i'm sure but um i mean i love sorkin um trying to think i you know what one of my favorite filmmakers and screenwriters is james cameron mm-hmm. i love james cameron um and i think he's i think he's a great director but he's also a, he's a good writer mm-hmm. i don't think that's acknowledged enough unless it's avatar unless it's avatar but i i don't hate avatar oh, much, so well, that'll be a different does. conversation okay we'll talk I, yeah after we put the mics after down, we'll, we put go, the mic. we'll go <laughs> beat each other up in the parking lot um no i mean it's flawed but whatever anyway that's later um, he gave us Terminator and Terminator 2 and Judgment Day. Aliens, I, I, aliens is one of my favorite aliens. movies. Oh my gosh. Um, and Titanic, yeah. Um, but some of my favorite, I've really learned story structure and storytelling from Pixar. Oh, absolutely. The Pixar writers are, it's like, they're genius. Like, they're mm-hmm. so good. Um, and they, just every story is like, just so vulnerable yeah. and powerful and um, has a clear theme and protagonist's moving from anti-theme to theme and it's they're just so good yeah um lessons from the screenplay has a lot of great episodes on on pixar's on uh shit movies and everything so good definitely check those out listeners if you're interested in that yeah Yeah, i'm trying to think who else i mean lawrence kasdan is a good screenwriter Mm -hmm. but he's done i mean he's i just love him because of like star wars and indiana jones right um he's he's a very great he balances spectacle and character very well right right. which is something that's extremely hard to do i feel yeah. like especially in in the world of blockbusters yeah. that i we think live he's, in he's really really good at that mm-hmm. um there, i have mixed feelings about tarantino but really i like him interesting i mean that's that's i mean There's that's yeah things that's i like things fair. i don't like um but yeah i mean were you a fan of once upon a time in hollywood you know what i thought it devolved in the third act a little bit. Really? I thought it was I thought it was a great start and great first two thirds of it and I was really loving it and then kinda just turned into like Tarantino like the blood budget kind of See, scene. Like I was I, like, Why is this here? Um I don't know. It's my fourth favorite Tarantino movie. Yeah. What's your favorite Tarantino movie? Well, see that's tough. Cause for me <laughs> it goes I haven't seen all of if, them. So. Okay, well, Tarantino's like my man. So I go, for me, Reservoir Dogs, because um, that's one of those movies where like I will always remember the exact spot, position, and feeling I had when I first watched that movie um, because I was a freshman in high school. I was sick as a dog, and I woke up <laughs> and... Um, sick as a reservoir dog. Sick as a reservoir say. dog, one could say. One could say. <laughs> and I... Uh, was woken up around like 10 15 or so woke up uh ran upstairs um was not eating anything because you know i was puking and everything and i was scrolling through my netflix queue and i saw just this banner of steve buscemi and um uh 
all the other guys, uh, you know, Tim Roth and, you know, and the other color perspective posters. Right, and I was right. like, okay, what's this thing? Um, cause I didn't know Tarantino really that much. Right. Um, and I was a pretty sheltered kid and I put it on. I just remember for that hour and 45 minutes, I was just like, what is happening? Because it's one of those, it's one of those movies that feels almost like a play because so much of the, um, so much of the action takes place just in one warehouse. Right. Uh, and me being, you know, that little theater kid seeing, (laughs) seeing a film like that, um, playing with that ideal, uh, but still being very dynamic from a film aspect and also being, you know, in a fever dream, and uh, it being 10 o'clock in the morning, sick out of I, I was like, what is going on? Um, but so I think that's my first. Um, my second, I am going to go with um, uh, Django. Third, I'd probably say either Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill. It's tough. And then fourth, um, Once Upon a Time. Once upon and time. it's just because I I love, I mean, my favorite movies are hangout movies where, like, nothing happens. Any, like, oh, Richard Linklater not, movie is, like, I love it. I mean, Dazed and Confused. Um, so you just didn't like Avatar because stuff happened is what you're telling me. N- no, I didn't like Avatar because there's, it's the, because Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Last of the Mohicans, and literally any other movie with that plot does it way well, better yeah but like romeo and juliet is pyramus and thisby like it's not like yeah every but story okay has to be like the first that's, time that's you've the thing ever but okay it. when it comes to okay i'm sorry listeners this is just getting into a fight but i don't well, care i need I, yes let's, let's fight no no let's, let's, let's fight about this let's no no i'm no i'm no we're honey, at least honey we started this honey, conversation the children okay fine fine um all i'm gonna say is that uh i don't like spectacle uh overtaking story but that's it um and that's my last whatever anyways <laughs> As we both put our mics down, <laughs> we'll take this outside. Uh, okay, so going back to Babel one last time. Oh yes. What do you think is your favorite high school show or movie that you think depicts mm. high school very well? Very well. Yeah. It's tough. Mm. I know. That was a good question. For me, while you're thinking, I'm gonna say mine. I. I don't think it's as good with depicting high school life, but in the sense of just a great show, I'd say Euphoria. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, it's 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 mind melding. I mean, technically, story wise, it's it's great, but and it goes a lot of places where most shows really have no guts to go. Right. Um, and but that's the thing is that it, it goes places that are so far where like I know most people do not have this high school experience. Which is why it's not my favorite, but um, I think I might say Friday Night Lights second to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't know. Um, I think Riverdale, I think, is fun. Riverdale lapses in and out of self-awareness to me. Like, yeah. When I watch it, sometimes I'm like, there. this is like really sharp and funny. And sometimes I'm like, this is just giving in to all the tropes. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, but it's, I mean, it's fun. Like it's, it's addicting. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. This isn't eighth grade is obviously not high school, but that movie like kind of mm-hmm. started to really capture like what I'd agree. Modern adolescence is actually mm-hmm. like, I think that was, yeah, 
That would maybe be. Yeah, even that, though it's not act technically high school. That movie made me terrified for my nephews uh, <laughs> right. growing up. I'm like, oh yeah, no. I thought Bo Brown hit, yeah. hit a chord with that movie. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, I'd also say if people haven't seen Booksmart, um, this past it came out this I past have summer. Not seen Booksmart. It was it slept on. It should have. They I mean I think they just screwed up with release schedule. It should have been released um, in August, late August. Been it would have been a oh, summer really? hit. Yeah, uh, late late summer hit. Um, but they wanted to capitalize off that graduation feel, and it just didn't happen. Right. I think I mean it was only a few weeks after Endgame, so people were still riding that, <laughs> that co- those coattails. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, hey, man, we're getting into our last few minutes of okay. our time here. Um, is there anything that you had got that you wanted to talk about when we were on here that you didn't get a chance to bring up? Well, my pole vaulting career, I think, would be fun. Oh, wonderful! Please, um, please tell me more, man. I just love to pole vault. <laughs> you know those poles? I like you and know the way what? they just like when bend. I was born, I thought. What I am meant to when, do. When the moment you were born. The moment. This, this, the first breath you my took first on planet, thought on the that planet I Earth. had was, I am born to use one pole to jump over another pole. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I thought. And ever since I've been pursuing that goal. That, uh, wow. Not to make wow. fun, not to make fun of pole vultures. I'm like, I could My dad was that. a pole vulture. Really? Yeah. There, there's a very funny picture of my dad at his work where he's in high school and he has this huge 70s afro. Um... And, and he's just like this really gross trash nice. stash and he's just about to go pole vault and it's the funniest thing yeah oh, i man. just like it's such a funny sport to me but like i couldn't yeah. do it like i'm genuinely impressed by it but oh like, absolutely every time i watch it i just like i just hear boing in my head <laughs> <laughs> it's just all i can think i love it it's just like such like who thought like you know what we need at the olympics listen to this listen we need okay pitch it to me Someone jumping over a pole with a bigger pole. Whoa! But and how? they were like, "That's it. Let's go get like, lunch." Okay. Um, <laughs> Said cool. The ancient oh. Greeks just hanging out. Let's. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go get bring, some boy crazy yogurt. Bring me my grapes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh man. Well, I always do like to talk a little bit about upbringing. Um, but sure. in, in my episodes, uh, so what was that like for you? How did that kind of, I know this is kind of a whole floodgate. We could be here for another hour talking about <laughs> sure. childhoods, but, um, did you come from a pretty artistic family? Um, y- uh, yes, yes, I did. Well, what what um, do your parents do again? I, I well, my dad is a pastor Ah, mm-hmm. and my, some form of theatricality. Yes. Some form of theatricality. And if you met him, you would, you would, yes. Theatricality <laughs> is important in our family. Um, and my mom is a, she's done multiple things, but she right now is kind of a, um, what she teaches, um, like church leadership at cool. different seminaries. And she's actually working on a book. Right oh, now. nice. Dope. I'm like writer's plugging, blood, plugging my mom's book yeah. right now. It's called I am a leader and it'll be released in March. Dope. Um, but Everybody anyway, needs a good leadership book. Yeah. Um, but, um, what's kind of, interesting here this let's see if i can like tie all this entire podcast together are you ready mm-hmm. i'm so ready so i we've been talking about this in ken's t300 class where we're doing our one-man shows oh great kind class. Of about our upbringing and what i realized about my upbringing is i come from two distinctly different worlds mm-hmm. my dad comes from south carolinian 
kind of southern high southern high society. Yes, that's where I got the taste for sweet tea to drink today. Mm. Um, and my mom comes from a more like blue collar Wisconsin, gotcha family, and those two worlds have kind of combined into them and then into me, and that has informed my um my kind of work in theater film comedy all that stuff Mm -hmm. kind of those two different and i've learned things from both of them absolutely i've learned kind of like the culture and style and the arts and the the flair for the dramatic from the (laughs) southerners right and then kind of the more some of the stuff I value as far as work ethic goes from the blue collar side. Totally. The more, you know, just show up and do it. Like I said, kind of Get just the work, right. You know, um, and the value in that and in simplicity and efficiency and sh- straightforwardness. And, um, so that has informed my, w- my work and, and art and such art and, and such like, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. great. I love that. I love yeah. that. I think that's a great little capper, man. I, think, I, uh, I, I do, I do agree that us Midwesterners we know how to get stuff done. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you're Midwest with a little South, you can do it with style. <laughs> do it with a little flair. <laughs> do it with a little, little charm. Yeah, and some tea. Well, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Yes, I really appreciate. It. I we could talk for hours on end uh i'd love to have you back and we will about um, avatar and we will we put yeah these mics down yeah absolutely uh sorry if you guys see us in the halls in the next few weeks and we just have the cast josh has black just eyes black eyes that's yeah. all you dude <laughs> i'm taking you out all right cool well thank you so much guys <laughs> thank you we'll catch you next time oh and also grab your favorite cold one have a good day